That's okay. Um, good morning. Um, thanks for being here today. I'm super glad that you're here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in those today. If you want to go ahead and open up to Psalm 36, uh, that's where we're going to be. If you take your scriptures, open, up, open them up in the middle. Uh, you'll likely um, um, end up somewhere around the Psalms, <clears throat> so you can hop over there. Um, in the meantime, though, while you're getting there, uh, I wondered if we can start this morning by just uh, recapping, uh, because what we have um, been doing for the past months now is that we've been in the middle of this Advent series that we've entitled, uh, When Light Pierced the Darkness. All right, that's been our focus. It's kind of uh, uh, been the way of our language um, as we spoke about light and darkness and, and ultimately how light is that of Christ and darkness is anything that is not of him. All right, so we've kind of defined it in so many different ways. I feel like at this point we have a pretty decent understanding of darkness um, and, uh, and light as well, but we're going to continue in that. Okay, so week one uh, of this series, uh, Brett took us to Genesis. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It was it was only a month ago, so if you have already forgotten, uh, go online and listen to these sermons again. Uh, but a, a month ago, he, he, he uh, took us to Genesis where he talked about the origin and source uh, of light, right? God spoke, light was, it was the first part of creation, and it really just kind of paved the way for the rest. I personally believe that uh, the rest of creation uh, hardly has any use, can't be experienced apart from the light, right? There was a reason why light was number one. Right? It's a powerful metaphor. It's the reason um, um, Jesus is referred to as the light. So in week two, we focused there. We looked at the source of light, then we focused on the person of the light. That is Jesus Christ, right? In John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's what he referred to as himself. In John 1, uh, we see this developed even, even uh, in greater ways that Jesus uh, is light. In him, there's the light of life. Um, right, darkness, and the world did not quite understand this, but that is what he was. There was one who came to testify to this light, um, so on and so forth, right? So we looked at the person of light. Um, not only that, we kind of looked at darkness, right? Um, so again, we're going we're gonna to abuse uh, this language, right, light and darkness, but we define darkness um, loosely as anything that is not good as God created it in the beginning, Right, everybody is aware of the Genesis story. Uh, day one, he created um, all that he did, and it was good. Day two, at the end of it, it was good. Right? Um, uh, darkness is anything that is not good or has fallen short of its goodness that it once was. Right? It takes a universal approach. It takes a universal um, uh, look at, at, as it is. Uh, it consists of things that are far beyond our ability uh, to understand, control, that kind of stuff, right? Just, uh, just one acknowledgement, death. The fact that death exists, the fact, the fact that we will experience it, the fact that others that we love experience it, right? This is a, a play out of that, right? It was not part of the original goodness, but it is a part of our existence now, okay? Um, it's just kind of a universal understanding. But not only that, there is a personal understanding of darkness that has to do with sin, disobedience, um, things that we do um, in opposition uh, of, of that, right? Apathy and ignorance and, and these things that we just kind of prefer to live in sometimes, right? So we acknowledge that. Week three, Brett honed in on this personal darkness a little more. Uh, but it was, it was covered um, in the hope um, that um, we, are, we don't have to be condemned by this darkness, but that there was one that came to save us, Right? John, Jesus said in John chapter 3 um, that he came to save the world, not to condemn it. We are condemned already 
Um, right? That is, our, that is our natural state. Um, but he came to save us. Right? And by the way, what, a, what an awesome response. Uh, last week, um, we had some who, who gave their lives uh, deep, more deeply uh, to Christ as a result of that. And not only that, there was brand new life experiencing Christ for the first time that week. And we praise God for that. You know, that's huge. It's one of those moments where it's just like, oh yeah, this is why we do everything, right? Um, this is why we go, um, we, we invest hours a, a, of just busyness and all this kind of stuff during the season. This is, this is the reason, right? So people experience life change in Christ. That is the purpose of it, right? So today we're going to keep going, right? We looked at the source of light in week one. We looked at the person of light. Uh, we also looked at the reason that we needed light. Today we're going to look at what this light what this light really has to offer, right, fully. All right, so as we uh, go into that, so if you would just uh, pray with me, and, uh, and we'll begin um, our, our look into Psalm 36. Lord God, we uh, are thankful for today. Um, God, we uh, uh, so appreciate uh, this season, um, what it means, what it represents. Uh, Father, we so um, are, are thankful uh, that your son came, um, that he did what he did so that we could experience um, uh, a fullness uh, of life, and light in him. God, we ask that your word speak boldly to us this morning, um, that you would proclaim yourself, and that your word would speak uh, louder than anything else, and uh, God, that you would be honored, and uh, that we give you praise this morning. We're thankful. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 36. Uh, if you're not there, Yet, uh, I'll give you a little bit of time. Uh, let me tell you about something. I don't know, is there anybody, football, any, any football fans in here? I know there's a couple, right? I'm not, I'm more of a golf um, kind of guy. You know, you can call me a sissy or whatever. That's fine. I just don't like getting hit. Uh, it hurts. And, uh, I don't, and it hurts when you hit people too. So there's just like, it's just bad on all sides, right? Um, I'll prefer to go, you know, into just the quietness of a golf swing and uh, pretend that it's a spiritual experience. But... Um, you know, that, that, that's just me. But uh, if you are a football fan, and even if you're not, you don't have to be a football fan to know this name, Tom Brady, right? I know you live in Indiana, so automatically you have to hate this guy. Um, but, that's, but, but, but he is one of the most decorated people in football. Am I right, football fans? He, he is talented. He is skilled. He is really, really good. Right? Ten years ago, there was an interview. Uh, if you've heard this already, I'm sorry. If you haven't, this is what happened. There was an interview uh, that he had on, on, on CBS uh, for 60 Minutes. Okay? Uh, so this guy, Tom Brady, loosely defined as the epitome of the American dream. Right? He had the looks, had the girl, had, had the money, um, had the skill, had the talent, had all of this stuff. Right? Um, the epitome of the American dream. He's being interviewed uh, in the midst of, of his uprise. Right, he's on such a high trajectory. He had already won a few Super Bowls. Um, he had a bright future, and he's being interviewed in regards to his success. Right? And basically the question that was posed to him is, how has this affected your life? And uh, what have you learned from this? Um, and if you know his response, then, um, you, then you know it. But, but the way that he responds is super surprising. Uh, and he essentially says this, God, there's got to be more than this. God, there's got to be more than this, right? Christians have pounced on this for like the last decade because they're like, oh, he said the answer in his trying to understand the thing. You know, God, there's got to be more than this, right? Uh, the interviewer asked him, um, what, what, what's the answer? And he says, I wish I knew. Okay. Um, 
And uh, if you have heard this before, uh, this is potentially beating a dead horse, but what I believe uh, Brady has, has expressed is something that we all have felt, at least if we are able to get to that point of acknowledging that the human experience uh, is a, in a constant state of yearning. Um, we yearn and we fill this yearning uh, with things that do not satisfy, right? What Brady acknowledges is what we all experience, that the human experience, the human life, the human heart cannot be satisfied by anything that this world has to offer. It cannot be satisfied by money. It cannot be satisfied by sex. It cannot be satisfied by drugs. It cannot be satisfied by just uh, success and fame and power and all these other avenues. And we're getting really creative, by the way, of creating more and more avenues to try to fill this yearning that we have. Um, But our human experience cannot be satisfied uh, by anything this world has to offer. So that's why this morning we're going to focus on the offer of light. Because what the light has to offer is absolutely fulfilling to your life, even now. Um, Absolutely. Okay? Psalm 36. If you have your scriptures, open up to that. We're going to look at uh, uh, the majority of this psalm, um, starting in verse 1 and going through uh, verse 4. Follow along with me. An oracle is within my heart. Concerning the sinfulness of the wicked, there is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. Even on his bed, he plots evil, commits himself to a sinful course, and does not reject uh, what is wrong. All right, to use our Advent lingo, um, darkness. One through four, it's it's darkness. Um, We probably could have just stopped in verse one where it says that there is no fear of the Lord. Uh, You know, concerning the sinfulness of the wicked, concerning darkness, there is no fear of the Lord in that. All right. Um, um, We we could spend forever on this, but I do want to at least acknowledge that from a biblical perspective, a fear of the Lord is a good thing. Right. This is why it's saying that an aspect of wickedness is that it's not there. It doesn't exist. Fear of the Lord is a good thing. It's something to be sought after. It's not a, you know, it's not like the horror movie kind of like jumpy, kind of get scared kind of thing um, that's kind of just like a little exciting and then it ends. You know, it's not like anything like that, but it's something to be sought after. In Proverbs 1, 7, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So if you want to know anything that is of good and of use in this world and in your life, it starts there. Right? Everything else is just a charade. Um, it's just fancy death. You know, it, it, it starts there at fear of the Lord. All right? From a biblical perspective, we understand this to mean like uh, the absolute and genuine acknowledgement of God as uh, the absolute authority and power in the universe and over us. Okay? It's hard to articulate this feeling. So if I had... To give you an example, imagine um, getting in a kayak and, and rowing out into the middle of one of the Great Lakes or into, uh, uh, you know, an ocean to where there's no land on any side of you. You cannot see it, right? And tell me you will not have a, uh, a regard or a, um, a, a high respect uh, for the situation that you're in and for the massive entity that is under you. And if it burps, you could go down into the depths forever, Right? You are so small compared to this vast body of water that has 
full control over you. One wave capsizes you, and you are, you are pushed and submerged into the fullness of an experience that you have no idea how to survive in. You are fully uncomfortable, right? Um, this is kind of that feeling of just acknowledging your small place before an almighty God. Right? It's kind of the same feeling that you get if you walk outside and uh, it's a starry night and you don't live in the city, so there's not streetlights, you know, um, blinding you, um, but you're able to look up and all of a sudden you see things that are thousands and thousands and thousands of light years away from you, right? You are seeing light um, so far away that it's hitting you. The light that you're seeing actually um, was, was initially put out thousands of years ago because it has, takes it that long to get to your eyesight, right? All of a sudden you are a tiny little thing, and I am too, right? And that is a good understanding of you. That is a good thing for you to know. That is a good thing for you to feel is small because he is so big. And you can't understand how big he is unless you understand how small you are. Right? That's fear of the Lord. And it is in that attitude and in that feeling, right, that we can even begin to understand to know anything of use in this world. Outside of that, it's just, it's just day-to-day stuff and you'll die being fairly successful. Outside of that, okay? So that's fear of the Lord. We could talk about that for weeks. Um, you can go on, and I even find some humor in this. For his, in his own high, uh, verse 2, for in his, own high, in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. This is kind of a scary passage, right? Is there anything about me that I am so stuck in darkness that I don't even see that I'm dark, right? I'm so far in it that I can't even tell that I'm a sinner. I'm so dumb that I don't know how dumb I am. Like that, that, that could be a part of my experience, and I hope that I have close enough brothers and sisters uh, in Christ who, who will come up to me and say, hey, man, you're off here, right? We need Christian community to combat this, uh, to fight this, right? Uh, this is an asp. This is all part of darkness. Uh, uh, the words of his mouth, wicked and deceitful, um, goodness and wisdom are gone, plots evil, sin takes its course, um, and, and you don't even see anything wrong with that, all right? Darkness. Um, I said earlier that we're not going to dwell on this. Uh, in fact, we're, we're looking at the other side of what Christ has to offer, right? And that is this offer of, of, uh, of life. And this is what we see um, as we um, go into verse 5. So, starting in verse 5, read along with me once again. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. Our Lord, you preserve uh, both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light we see light. There's our Advent uh, word again, light. In your light we see light. Okay. Um, I like to consider this... Uh, this, this part of the psalm, almost like a roundhouse, roundhouse kick to the face to, to all of darkness, right? It's like the psalmist was, was putting things in, it was like he was setting us up, right? Here's darkness and darkness in the full. They get ready for this though, okay? Because there is a love that is so unfailing and so good and is, and, and is bigger than the skies that is offered to you, right? Not only that, there is a justice deeper than the oceans. There is, um, um, there is a righteousness bigger and mightier than the mountains, right? Uh, um, it is within this that, that we find refuge in the shadow uh, of his wings, right? 
and all in all, this is um, with, with him is the fountain of life. The fountain of life. All right. If I could just talk about that for a second. Right? Fountain, it, it is a word. Fountain streams, it is, it, it is a concept used oftentimes to articulate um, uh, the fullness of God and what he has to offer you. Right? In, in Zechariah 13, it talks about how Christ is this very fountain, um, this stream. Right? Um, if you hop all the way over into Revelation chapter 22, uh, it talks about how um, whenever uh, the new Jerusalem comes, right, uh, essentially it's just going to be our understanding of kind of paradise and glory, um, living in this city and all that kind of stuff way after this world is gone and all that stuff. There, there's going to be a river of life that runs through it, all the way through it, okay? Um, it will be a part of our experience. It, it will actually run through, through the place. In chapter 21 of Revelation, it talks about uh, the Alpha and Omega. He is the ultimate quencher of all thirst, right? We uh, cannot look at this and not understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of this, right? You can hop into the New Testament where Jesus comes across the woman at the well and he says um, that if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. It's a thirst that quenches, um, it, it is, a, it is a, a quenching of all thirst, that you will never thirst again, right? You hop over to John 7 um, where he says that if you believe in me, streams of living water will run up through you. It will be a part of you, this water, this life, okay? Uh, I think we need to understand this fully, that, that he is talking about the fullness of life. He is talking about the full experience that he has for you. And here's the truth, that we do not pursue, pursue light, we do not follow after light just to defeat darkness. But we also, it, what is also offered is that we can be in active life, right? Active life and fully pursuing Christ, right? It's a two-way thing. Um, people are really good, by the way, um, really good um, at, at only finding God or only, uh, you know, going to that place when darkness is part of their experience, right? Um, um, uh, it happens all the time. 90% of our prayer life usually revolves around God, defeat this darkness in us, God, help us get past this thing, God, help us know what to do in the future because our experience is dark right now. You know what I mean? We're really good at that. And that's part of the offer. He wants, us to, he wants to bring us out of that for sure, right? Um, this happens even all over just kind of whatever. You know what I mean? Anytime there's a national stra- uh, tragedy, all of a sudden in God we trust, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, public prayer and public school prayer makes a comeback, right? Because p- in the midst of darkness, people are looking for this, right? But that's only half the picture, right? It's part of the offer. But the offer also stands that, that apart from this, Right? You can live actively and fully in him. Not only can you overcome darkness, but you can be in active life um, in, in Christ. Okay? That's huge. That's big. Um, and and that, that in so many ways um, is necessary to, to any full experience of anything that is worth anything at all. Okay? That is the fountain. But there's another aspect of this uh, in verse 9. As we focus there, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. There's another aspect that as we are in light, as we are in Christ, as we are in pursuit of him, as we are plunging into this fountain of life and discovering what that means, right? There's another aspect that in your light we see light. In your light we see light, okay? Um, This is uh, so, so, so 
uh, important because it, it is absolutely uh, necessary to experiencing life in the full, right? To be able to see things as he sees them. To be able to understand uh, your job, your career, your family, your hobbies, your interests, your um, worldview, your lifestyle from a perspective that is his as well, right? Because as we are in light, all of a sudden we see light. We see how he sees in all of these things, right? How uh, necessary is that, right? One example, we can, we can be a part of the workforce, you know, we can be good, employable, um, um, great working people, right? And, and the, probably the case for a lot of us is that almost on a day-to-day ba- basis, especially if you're in school, if you're a student, almost on a day-to-day basis, we come across people daily that we have not had the slightest sympathy, empathy, or spiritual concern for. We see them on a daily basis, and we don't think about them even at that level, What changes the way we view these things? In light, we see light, right? It is in your pursuit of Christ that all of a sudden your coworkers become people who who are also experiences of darkness darkness and and needers of light, right? Um, All of a sudden, our schoolmates, our classmates, all of a sudden, uh, we are able to see our spouse and our kids in in a way that he sees them, and it it affects the way we move towards them, it affects affects how we act in regards to them, right? Uh, It is absolutely necessary and crucial that we understand that in light, we see light, and this is part of the fullness of the experience of Christ, okay? And... uh, if you haven't put two, to two, two and two together yet, the fullness of life uh, has nothing to do with ease, and it has nothing to do with comfort, and it has nothing to do with wealth, and it has nothing to do with success. Uh, the, these things do not fulfill, right? They're decent. They're good. They're usable. They do not fulfill, right? It has nothing to do with that. Um, so understand, this is in no way the prosperity gospel. This is in no way, you know, find, uh, you know, uh, pursue Christ and, uh, you know, all of, the, uh, all of everything that you've ever wanted uh, will be yours and you'll be rich and famous. It, you know, this is so far from that. Uh, in fact, you will be called out of your comfort zone um, because you will, you will start to see things as he sees them and you'll begin to go there. But let me just tell you that if you can go through a season of discomfort, discomfort that is a result of following him, The fulfillment that you will feel after that is nothing that you have experienced before. The reason we don't go after it is because we've not experienced it, right? So part of this is acting in faith and just giving it a chance, right? But how necessary it is for us to live in fulfillment of life and light in the way, uh, in the reason that he created us, right? We see uh, the reason he created us, we, um, we, we live towards that and find fulfillment in that, okay? Um, I hope that you are encouraged uh, in that today. In John 10, um, Jesus says in regards to his sheep, uh, he says that, that he has come so that they may have life and life to the full, right? The sheep being those who follow and pursue him and, and believe in him. Uh, he has come so that they may have life and life in the full, right? Um, so what I want us to understand today, um, and, and most importantly, is that Jesus is about the fullness. He is about the full acceptance of who he is and what he can offer you. And that he is about um, the full pursuit of him. All right. Um, I'll be a little sarcastic here, but nobody, you will not recall any time in scripture that he did not act in the full, right? When he came across the blind man and only healed one of his eyes. Or when he came across the two demon possessed men and only healed one of them. 
or whenever he, uh, you read in the, in the in scriptures that uh, Jesus fed the 2,000 people and the left were just going to hang out to dry, right? He fed them all. He acts in the fullness. Not only that, look at the cross, right? Did he die for everybody? Did he die for all sin or just the big ones? Was he the fullness of God on the cross? Because if he wasn't, then it doesn't mean a thing. Okay, this is Jesus. This is, this is what he is about. He is about the fullness of things, right? He came in the full. He defeated death in full. When he rose from the grave, there's not part of Jesus still so, you know, somewhere in limbo somewhere. He defeated death fully so that we can experience life fully even now. Okay. That's what I hope that we get today, and that's what I hope um, that you... Um, are sparked with, that you have questions, that you begin to pursue this a little bit. And if you have questions, you can talk to anybody here at First Baptist, anybody on staff, but I hope that this um, just kickstarts, right? But if you need a little guidance, maybe a little place to start um, as you pursue this and as you maybe uh, develop a desire for this, I'll give you a few things, okay? Um, one of those things uh, is his church, his people. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, God placed all things under his feet, he's talking about Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay? I'm going to read that again, actually. I want us to hear that. Uh, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of of him who fills everything in every way. Okay? So when I say that you cannot have any version of the fullness of life apart from the church, um, you cannot get mad at me. Get mad at the word. Okay? Um, if I were to ask everybody in there who has been hurt, who has been offended, um, who has been um, possibly just even wrecked um, because of their experience in the local church, many hands would go up, including myself. Right? Um, this building and what happens in it is never perfect. Right? We, we seek Christ. Um, we love Christ. But your experience on Sunday mornings for two hours, one hour, is hardly, hardly scratches the surface of what it means to be in the fullness, active life in the body of Christ that is the church. Scratches the surface. It is part of it. It is necessary. But there is also an aspect of the church and of the body that is suffering in the Middle East right now. They're suffering in Africa, right? Understanding this means having a mind for them and a prayer for them, right? Not only that, there is a life of you outside of this place that we are still to be an active living of the church and of the body, Right? We need people who are close to us, who are deep to us, that in all aspects of our life, they will speak truth to us because they are in Christ. Right? They are part of the body. We need people like that. We need to surround ourselves with these people. They need to be the ones that have any influence and say into our experience. You cannot live for Christ fully apart from it. Okay? There's another thing, right? Uh, and it is and simply this. It is the word. Um, it is the Word. In John chapter 1, it says that the Word was in the beginning. The Word was God. The Word, the word uh, was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And then you hop over to John 1, 14, where it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? And in regards to this same Word, right, who is Jesus, if you haven't figured that out, uh, we're talking about Jesus. In regards to the same Word, um, 
hop over to Hebrews chapter 4, where it says that this word is living and active, and it can uh, penetrate the deepest parts of your soul, dividing soul and spirit. I have no idea how to articulate that to you. What is the difference between soul and spirit? I don't know. Somebody smarter than me can tell me. But Scripture says that the word can cut that, right? Uh, In Hebrews 1, it says that in the past, um, God spoke to our forefathers through prophets. But now, in these later days, he speaks to us through Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 3, it says that all of Scripture is God-breathed. There's no way that we can come to an understanding of this and disconnect the fact that part of our full um, relationship with Christ involves this. Okay, I don't know how to articulate it all the way, um, but you cannot live fully for Christ in Christ apart from his word. You cannot do it. You cannot understand scripture and come to that conclusion. Okay? Um, lastly, uh, but not, um, not finally, but, but lastly, uh, there's another one that I, that I want you to acknowledge, and this is for you believers who have this, okay? It's this thing called the spirit right? He is the spirit. Uh, We are called in Galatians 5 uh, to be filled in it, right? It's a part of our experience. Jesus said in John 16 that I have, I'm going to go and it is actually better for me to go so that the spirit can come, okay? And he acts in so many ways. He's a comforter. He's a guide. He's a convictor, right? He helps us understand what's good and bad and all that kind of stuff. But this is the active a spirit of God within you, within his body. If you are part of the body, then you have the spirit, right? Um, um, and it is only through the spirit that you have any avenue outside of darkness. It is only in the power of the spirit that you are able to overcome anything and experience freedom. It is only through the spirit that this happens, okay? And here's what scripture says about it. It says that the spirit can be grieved, and it says that the spirit can be quenched, all because of sin. Okay, so if you're like me and you're a believer and you have been for maybe even 20 plus years, I've been saved for 20 plus years. I just realized that. That's crazy. Um, um, if you've been like, if you're like me and you you have known Christ for 20 years, right? You still understand these places, these ruts that you fall into, where patterns of sin just kind of affect you. You don't know how to break out of them. You're in the pattern, uh, you're stuck, uh, you're confused, um, you feel worthless, um, you feel like you don't know how to, to get out, you feel like you don't even deserve to do good things because you're such not a good person, right? This is not his offer to us, to, 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 to sit in this. His offer is to, is to be active in life, right? Okay. Experience um, of the fullness of a relationship with Jesus Christ now is his offer. It is his offer. And what he asks us to do is go head first into this fountain of life. Okay? Uh, if you need a starting place, take this. Okay? Open this. Surround yourself with people who love him. Right? And, and, and give the sinful places of your life to him. It's just an easy start. For some of you right now, three or four things just pop into your mind and you, and you realize that these things have been in the way of you experiencing Christ fully. Um, I encourage you today to take every opportunity uh, to give those to him this morning. Uh, to begin to experience the fullness of him. And you will not, you will not regret it. You will experience fulfillment. You will experience relationship with him that you have never known before. Let's pray.
Father, we are, uh, are thankful uh, for this morning. We're thankful for everything, God. We, we, we really um, ask that you just use your word now um, uh, to bring about uh, the fullness of experience uh, in you. Father, as we sing this last song, I ask that you um, move in our hearts and our minds, God, that you would um, convict, compel, encourage, um, ignite whatever it is in our hearts and in our minds that we need so that we can understand and experience you, Father. Um, there is no life apart from you. There is no light apart from you. God, I ask that you uh, give us all that we need, that you push us into the fullness of experience of you even now. And God, that we begin to see things as you see them so that we are used by you to, to, um, to share um, this truth uh, with those around us. Um, God, we love you. In the name of your, uh, your son, we pray. Amen. Let's just stand and sing together.